Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to Pine Class Preachers. I'm Tom, and you've known our other hosts, Gabe and Josh. Today is Pine Class Book Club. We want you to imagine sitting around a fire, a glass of wine, just snow falling lazily outside your window. And tonight we're going to talk about the books we like to read. Because in the next couple weeks and months, more than likely you're listening to us in a snow-filled tundra. And so we would like you to have some good books to curl up to around that fire. Welcome to Pine Class Book Club. You know, in uh, the Danish culture, they call that huga. Oh, I hear the Danes buy a lot of candles. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Jenny was like obsessed when she keeps trying to like, Josh, we need to create huga. And I'm like, what does that mean? Well, she it's goes, it's candles, candles and just all the lights off. And I'm like, what? Okay. Uh, no, right. it's reclaimed wood and it's like wool blankets and it's like and like Christmas cheer, Northern and... European minimalism. Let's just paint everything in the house white and have one chair for all sex of us. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that it's, is the it's like an uncomfortable black wooden chair. <laughs> <laughs> that is the opposite. It is your cozy, comfy cabin. That's what it is. It is your it is your comfortable place. That must be why she tried to convince us to get rid of our mattress and only to sleep on a bed of, of like furs, noble furs, Douglas fur, basically Christmas Gross. trees. Christmas trees. That sounds painful. Is that a thing people do? I was sleep going. To, on... I was taking it to the next level. Oh, okay. Taking it to the next level. Okay. Well, I just want to tell you guys uh, as Christmas shows up and is is coming up right now, or maybe as you're listening to it, it's past. I just want to let you guys know that. Uh, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. And uh, I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. Oh, gosh. I just want you for my own. More than you could ever know. Mm-hmm. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is you. Oh, man. I thought you were going to end that with your two front teeth. Oh, no. I'd, I would never disgrace uh, Mariah's work that way. <laughs> i feel like i don't know right behind silent night is probably all i want for christmas is you <laughs> song's so good man so good gabe's top christmas songs yep yep silent yep. night and mariah carey that's, right. that's what we that's what we should have done forget the book club we should have just talked about our top top uh list of christmas songs oh mine would be obscure hymns like lo, he comes in clouds descending, and the king shall come when morning dawns, and maybe savior of the nations come. Those are right. Yeah. <laughs> lo, he comes with clouds descending. Da, 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 da. I don't even know the words. Oh, that's good right. though, man. That's good. Nobody else knows either. Nobody. I promise you, nobody listening to this podcast knows the words or the. But what they do know it. is that on this podcast, we always open talking about what we're drinking. So, gents, what are we drinking tonight? 
Well, I'll go ahead and start since I rarely do. I usually wait for you guys to highlight the terrible beers or pretentious drinks that you're uh, imbibing. <laughs> and then I follow up and just try to bring a sense of realism. So I'm doing a little throwback. I found this this little, this delightful uh, 750, just a little bomber. All right. Um, taking it back old school to to my early beer drinking days in Southern California when the Keystone West Coast. Light. But, yep, nah, that would have been. Mm, 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 I cut my teeth on stone. All right. <laughs> West Coast IPAs. All right. I never, I thankfully never had a period in my life where I drank crappy beer. That's good, man. It is. Except for the one time at Austin Welter's house. <laughs> where we had to. Anyway, that was, that was a rough night. But this is not a rough beer. As a matter of fact, this comes from Stone Brewing Company. It's their Scorpion Bowl IPA. And I bought it one because it was sort of. I don't know, southwestern kind of vibe, purples and greens, and you know, obviously the stone like devil skull. But what I liked about it most is not that it was a an IPA, but that it, the little tagline was a punch to the stinger. <laughs> and I was like, all right, That's I'll give it a, a shot. Yeah, it's a That's pretty nice a IPA, one. pretty nice little IPA. Oh, good, good. Uh, I am also drinking an IPA, uh, and it's uh, my favorite Michigan beer. I think I've had it on here before, but is. Uh, Founders All Day IPA Session Ale. Um, and what I do like about it is it's all the flavor of an IPA, but it's a little bit lower ABV, so you can uh, drink more than one, more than two, and uh, and not feel too heavy, not feel too lightheaded. You're just feeling good. If they keep, if Founders keeps making those cans for the uh, All Day IPA of larger, pretty soon they're going to have to start selling 40s. Yeah. That'd Founders awesome. All Day IPA is like the new King Cobra. The, yeah. <laughs> The new, the new Mickey's, the the new uh, old English high gravity. Yes, <laughs> yes. Good, good. What good. about you, Tom? What what kind of obnoxious and obscure pretentious drink can you offer us tonight? All right. So I was I was made aware that last week's drink, which I think is very easy to make, I was told was way too hard. Even though somehow putting Bacardi Gold, lime juice, a simple syrup with nutmeg in it, and some bitters is too difficult for us to do. You literally said six ingredients. And half of them no one has on hand at any given yeah. point in time. You don't have you don't have rum, you don't have lime juice. I have those sugar. two things. Do you have sugar and nutmeg? No, I don't have nutmeg. I don't have fresh nutmeg. I don't have bitters. I don't even know uh, what a bitters is. Oh my gosh. Well, this is what we're this is this is like half of what why we do these episodes is to introduce people to new drinks and not we just don't say Pap's blue ribbon every week. Okay? Hey, I, hey, we if actually only we did. Hey, <laughs> we could if we wanted to. But right. serious, hold on, Tom, before I let you get to your drink tonight, serious pause, and you're gonna you're gonna appreciate this interruption. Okay. First of all, shout out to my brother TJ who listens to the pod. Secondly, he wanted to give Tom a shout out because he said, and this is this is my brother-in-law what? who was a, fr a frat boy. Like he knows his mixed drinks. And yet he's always very appreciative, Tom, about what you bring to the table when it comes to your cocktails on Pine Class Preachers. Yes, yes. Tom, Tom Bilstein in Chandler, Arizona is very appreciative of this Tom's signature cocktails. Well, Tom, I'm going to make this easier for you. It is a it is a variation on the drink that I, I talked about last week. Again, you're going to need to get some some uh, dark rum or at least gold rum. So Bacardi Gold, pretty cheap, like 18 bucks for a 175. Okay, so Bacardi Gold will do it. That's just fine. You're going to put two two parts, so 
two ounces, two shot glasses, whatever, into a glass. You are going to put in a dash of orange juice. Do you have orange juice in your house there, folks? Real no. easy, right? A dash of Not orange juice. all the time. Juice. No, I mean, rarely. My, Jeez. my kids will my kids drink an entire that. gallon of orange oh, juice in like, in like one morning. Yep. Good. Then they'll be healthy. A dash of lemon juice. Okay, you can go get a nice little glass, a little glass bottle of of lemon juice for a couple bucks at your local grocery Wait, store. Wait, a glass okay. bottle? Who sells lemon juice in a glass bottle? Santa Cruz. I don't know. That's the brand. Santa Cruz. That's like a five dollar bottle of lemon juice. I just go get the kind like, you know, Walmart brand. That's like sixty nine cents, and it looks like a lemon, and you just squeeze it. <laughs> yeah, and that's gross because that's not real lemon juice. So. I don't know. Buy a lemon for 69 cents and squeeze it like not difficult, everyone. OK, I'm trying to I'm trying to throw some culture here. OK, so your rum, a little splash of orange juice, a little splash of lemon juice, and then a little a little shake of some cinnamon. Everyone has cinnamon in their house, right? That is true. All right. Then you're going to make a simple syrup, which is one part sugar, one part water. So if you put half a cup of sugar in a pan then put half a cup of water in there boil it okay and then you're gonna pour yeah. again i'm boiling things for a yeah. drink this, oh, <laughs> this is like a lot of work no man you make enough and then pour it into like a little container and put it in your fridge and then it works for a long time so Sounds uh hard little dollop of that shake that up put that in that it's christmas in a glass everybody christmas in a glass all right okay well good Yep, gonna do that. No, hold Soon. on, hold on, hold on. Here's what's gonna happen in this episode. <laughs> you two, you two are gonna harangue me for making a drink for spending more than two seconds going to my beer can, okay? And yes. then you guys are gonna turn your noses up to the air and explain to us uh, what books we should be reading and what snobbery you are gonna impart on us. So forgive me if I'm trying to enlighten to broaden our drink perspective here. Well, past, just past just, a beer. Just so no one gets their hopes up, at least from my end, when you decided to expand our horizons and use the word harangue in a sentence, I'm not going to lie. The first thing that came to mind was like, why is he talking about that ape Harambe? <laughs> and I realized, oh, he said the word harangue, not Harambe. Oddly enough, first thing that came to my mind is because we were talking about orange juice. Is why was he talking about that drink that astronauts drink? The the powder that they mix, uh, Tang. Tang, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. So, harang Tang. Harang Tang Ambe. Harang Tang Ambe. Yes, an orangutan drinking Tang named Harambe. <laughs> what, when was the last time you had Tang? Too long. <laughs> Not long enough. <laughs> oh man. Hey, well, as oh boy, before we get into our uh, book snobbery, Gabe's potential most. You have to go to a library and and like check it out, or go to a bookstore. I can't just like. Uh... <laughs> go, go on, Josh. Okay. Just ignore uh, Harambe. Yeah, ignore. Yes, that was a very apish noise, Tom. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to class this podcast up. You're just bringing it down. All right, we actually do have a question that came in via text message uh, from a friend of the pod, Ricky. And before I get into this and we answer and we, we uh, talk, talk about what Ricky asked here, just a reminder that we would love to hear from you to send us a, a text message, shoot us a message uh, with questions or comments. Maybe add your most obscure Christmas song references to the list 
at uh, 612-208-6258. All right? So Ricky says, hey, Brosifs, Ricky here. Question for you. What do you guys think about repentance being the biggest hurdle for people with mental illnesses such as depression, anxiety, or panic disorders, and the like? I know for someone, or for me, as someone who is diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, repentance and purity, for example, has been a consistent issue. Coupled with anxiety and depression, it can feel almost impossible to overcome sometimes. So what do you guys think? Well, first of all, Ricky, thanks for the question. I'll maybe uh, jump in here as uh, as a guy who I think is pretty well documented on this show and in some of my writings uh, deals with some mental health things. And uh, I think repentance has a a pretty good role. So first of all, I want to, in, in terms of, of healing mental illness, et cetera, and, and, uh, and navigating it. Uh, so first of all, let me just define repentance for us. So like the, the literal word uh, from the Greek metanoia, uh, means a, a change of mind. And so it means, you know, really when Jesus first proclaimed it and said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, it meant like, uh, turn away, change your mind, turn away from those things that are destructive, turn away from sin, turn away from brokenness and enter into new life, enter into hope and uh, and the grace that, that God has for you in his kingdom. Uh, so it's this uh, changing of the mind. It's it's the, the turning around of the mind uh, away from sin and towards grace. So, so with that definition in mind, um, like in one sense to have depression or anxiety, first of all, let me be clear here is not a sin. Like that's, that's not a sin. Um, there's many reasons those things can occur in a person's life. Uh, it can be biological, it can be sociological, it can be uh, hereditary, whatever. There's, there's a variety of reasons. Um, so it's, it's not a sin to, to have those issues. Uh, however, uh, sometimes the cause of those issues can be related to a person's sin. So like if you're in a pattern of, of brokenness, in a pattern of things that are that you're not made for. I mean, that's the whole thing. That's the whole issue with sin is that like um, we're not made for it. It's not what it is to be human. To be human is is uh, in, in one sense what all sinners do. But in the sense of how God created us, it's not who we're meant to be. It's not the things we're meant to do. We're meant to live in line with who he is and how he's created us to be and to follow his commands, that that's actually what's best for us. And so when we live in consistent patterns of sin, uh, it can have uh, disastrous effects in our life and in our mental health. Um, and that's not like a, God's cursing you that way. That's just a... Um, sort of the built into the laws of nature, if you will. Again, not everyone who has depression and anxiety is caught in a pattern of sin. I'm just saying that can be a reason. And so repentance can be a really helpful tool in terms of saying like, hey, this stuff that's been dragging me down, that's been messing up, maybe you're like addicted to porn or something like that. Like that's that's messing up your neural pathways. That's messing up how you see the world. And that is that really can put you in uh, a funk and then it can weigh you down with guilt and shame and those things aren't good for you either and so to repent to turn away from those things consistently to break that pattern to turn towards god's grace can be i think tremendously healing um so that's kind of like my initial gut reaction to that um i've got more thoughts but i've been talking for a minute would you guys have anything come to mind as i was rambling on there yeah something that i would just add to that is i i think we I think we tend to put uh, to bear a lot of the burden on ourselves, especially in the conversation of repentance, because like Gabe said, it is it is us 
heeding the the command and the invitation of God to turn away from those destructive patterns and behaviors and instead enter into, you know, his, his kingdom, which is full of every good and perfect thing and every gift which comes from above. And so when we when we fail to do that or, or when we're struggling to do that, um, I, I think we tend to put a huge burden and a weight upon ourselves without necessarily realizing or, or even attributing the fact that there's there's also something else at play. I think in particular when it comes to things like uh, like panic or anxiety. Now, I, I don't know if I necessarily suffer from um, you know diagnosable anxiety or depression or anything like that. However, a lot of times like when I find myself stru- uh, stuck in you know, um, d- destructive behaviors that I struggle with, then, then I, f- I find there's, there's yet another external kind of force that's adding, I don't want to call it pressure, but adding the torment or, or adding to the suffering. And scripture is pretty clear about that too, that, that Satan as the great enemy of God is also attacking God's character within us or, or God's image within us. I mean, that's sort of Satan's job self-defined is to destroy the image of God in God's people. If we were created in God's image and Satan hates God, he's going to do whatever he can to destroy that image within us or convince us that our image isn't good enough or that we weren't made in God's image or that God doesn't want to redeem our image ultimately and eventually. And so therefore repentance isn't a good thing. It's not necessary that it's not actually beneficial. Um, and, and, you know, reading God's word or, you know, actually repenting and, and asking for forgiveness isn't a good thing. And so I think that, it just when when you were talking, Gabe, it made me think to myself like, part of me always wonders, and I'm I'm not one to jump to the conclusion that all mental illness, particularly in scripture, is like demon possession. But at the same time, I do think that I do think that there are certain condition certain conditions of of just being a sinful human being that can be exploited more easily and more thoroughly by the great enemy of God, Satan, to try to you know, just give us, cause more anxiety or put even more unnecessary burden upon our shoulders, which may or may not, which, which may actually almost act as an inhibitor to repentance. Yeah. Well, and I would say, I mean, to that, Josh, as I've said here and in other places is that I I think the, the struggles of mental illness are, are multifaceted in their sources, right? So, Hmm. so part of it is the experiences you've had. Part of it is, the family you grew up in, part of it is your own psychological makeup, um, part of it is your own biological makeup, uh, and part of it is spiritual. And and so it's it's there's a variety of factors that are going to affect you. And so one of the great spiritual disciplines to do is 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 to repent, is is to do that. And so I think it can uh, have have healing. Um, and I think the big thing though for folks to realize, I guess, as I would say, is that repentance is not guilt or shame it's it's actually owning up to things for the the purpose of receiving grace for the purpose of receiving uh god's forgiveness of recognizing that there's no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and and embracing that and living into that reality and so so if you just leave repentance as like well i guess i'll just feel bad about myself and what i did that's only going to amplify um depression or anxiety but if it's i'm owning this stuff and i'm releasing it to god receiving his forgiveness, trusting what he's offering me, uh, it can be tremendously healing. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a tool that, that the devil uses. I think, you know what I mean? When it becomes, when repentance is seen as a burden of shame and guilt and not the opportunity to receive grace and forgiveness and, and mercy, then, you know, he is succeeding. 
Yep. Yep. Uh, so Ricky, hope that was a helpful answer. Hope we got towards what you were asking. If uh, we missed something, feel free to text us again, man. We'd love to, uh, to spend more time on this too. And uh, thanks for that. And uh, with that, we're going to take a break now. When we get back, uh, get ready for uh, a discussion on books that I'm pretty excited about. Read a book. Ooh, read a book. Whoa, just read a book. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back from break. Uh, it's Gabe here. And as you might imagine, I am excited because it is book time, gang. Uh, we are going to throw out a, uh, a top 10 list of books we think you should read. So if you got some time uh, during this uh, Christmas, New Year's holiday season, uh, would encourage you to maybe pick one of these up. If you got time this next year, if you're making your list of books you want to read this next year, would encourage you to to, to pick some of these uh, these bad boys up and uh, and give them a look through. And so I think without further ado, let's let's not keep the people waiting, you guys. Uh, let's start with our top ten, and we will start with number ten. Tom is gonna gonna lead us off. So what's coming in at number ten? If you could just see Gabe's face right now, he is just glowing, like glowing. He is giddy. He cannot wait to show off his uh, academic prowess he, the 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 uh, he just wants to show off his reading so badly right now he can barely contain himself the very fact that he let me go first here is absolutely astonishing and but, so, but let's consider this tom he let you go first with number what number 10 so he's already making a, a value statement that your book oh, yeah. is the last on the list i was Really yeah, hoping you guys wouldn't not. notice that. <laughs> your your really first is. choice is actually the last on the list. I yeah. need to be the top three. All right, all right, here we go. So number 10 is a book that I read while recovering in the first week and a half of uh, coming off ACL surgery. It is Hugh Howley, Howie's book, Wool. It's actually a three-book series, but we'll kind of really let it off. It's a kind of a post-apocalyptic story about uh, a group of people that live in a silo uh, that is buried underground, and they have created a society for who knows how many years. Uh, the interesting thing to me is not so much about how they got there or, or the way they have to live, but it's how they have interacted in society Um how they are interacting day to day. It gets a little monotonous at the beginning, uh, but I actually think that served a purpose uh, for then how the book starts to escalate in its actual story. Uh, but that that day to day minutia kind of uh, is interesting to me. It's actually very reminiscent of how uh, the show uh, The Walking Dead has gone. The Walking Dead started off as you know, let's show as gory killing of zombies as we possibly can. Uh, and it's really about now all about human interaction and, and yeah. what the, the human psyche is now. Uh, that's kind of what this book was. And it was, it was pretty interesting to me. Sounds good. As soon as you mentioned it, the first thing I thought of was walking dead. And yeah. uh, 
And I think your assessment is is quite astute, Tom, uh, because it is like zombies are a total byproduct now of that show that it's all about yeah. the humans. Yeah, there are, there's like a whole half season where like not a single zombie gets killed. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. It's buck wild. Uh, coming in at number nine, Jay Wood. All right. Number nine is going to be, are you guys ready for this? It's going to blow your minds. I'm so excited. Food and Wine Magazine. What? Like, what? That's not a book, Josh. It's a periodical, and <laughs> there are <laughs> words on a page Tell us more. written by people. Okay? This one just includes pictures. So okay. number nine is going to be Food and Wine Magazine. Because if you want to pretend like you can either afford to eat at a Michelin-rated restaurant or pretend like you can cook recipes developed by, uh, you know, culinary geniuses, then grab a Food & Wine magazine and try to make your holiday dreams come true. Can we also talk about how weird it is that it's the Michelin star and all I think about with Michelin is tires? Yeah, the Michelin man. Food, like, mm. With mm. branding, who's doing that? No, who's no, doing? Nothing like a, a seared duck breast smelling like freshly rotated tire. That's all I think about. <laughs> yeah, so number nine, Food & Wine magazine. Pick it up wherever so, periodicals are sold. Nice. So, so two comments on this. One, I get the crap kicked out of me for introducing a drink with four ingredients that can be bought for a grand total of $7 and made in approximately two minutes. But you want us to read a magazine, which will, will have cost us more than $7 and cook a meal that will take you two and a half hours or two and a half days, depending on what you're cooking. So also, yeah, I can buy a 12 pack for $7, Tom. So that to me, like... Your logic is flawed. And, and then and then and then thirdly or secondly or something, we're not gonna move to Gabe's thing where he's gonna snob the crap out of whatever he has for us here, but he's gonna turn up his nose to Michelin and all he thinks of is tires, which I, I Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Okay, so but but Hot dogs and beer. Okay, cool. Here man. I come in at number eight, and um, I man, I didn't know what to do because we just were like, let's just pick three books we think people should read, which you know is a long list. So, but I went relatively classic with uh, two out of the three of these. So my first one here is uh, really a a classic in the Christian tradition, uh, and that would be Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Nothing flashy there. Uh, but if you have not read it, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, its words still absolutely speak to this day. Uh, if if you're someone who's maybe exploring faith, I, I love recommending this to my friends who are, are figuring stuff out. That it's a it's just a good it's a good stepping stone to to just kind of understand like really the well. I'll just tell you, I was talking with a friend today, and he's like, "Man, how can you claim that like your religion is true?" And I was like. Because something has to be true, and this one, I think, has a lot of good reasons for it to be true. And I think Mere Christianity really does the best job of explaining that uh, for most people. And and so, highly recommend it. Lewis is a great writer and uh, makes yeah. complex thoughts simple. Can, can you speak a little bit more? I mean, we've referenced C.S. Lewis, I think, yeah. numerous times on this show. But, you know, I, I think it would be helpful for the listener to just kind of give us a... Uh, a little teaser, a little 
little presser yeah. on, on so C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a, a British 20th century academic. Um, his specialty is his doctorate is actually in medieval history. And uh, no, I'm sorry, not medieval history, medieval literature. Um, and just a, a brilliant mind uh, grew up. Uh, kind of a well, didn't grow up kind of a skeptic grew up a skeptic was was an atheist for many many years um, and then really through the work of um, just connecting with other Christians in in academia uh, some of them include J.R.R. Tolkien uh, reading George MacDonald these sorts of things he found himself he called himself the most reluctant convert in all of England and so he's this guy who who comes to faith in Jesus with like no desire to do it and yet uh, he references the the poem, The Hound of Heaven, that, that God just seems to find him and he can't escape it. And so uh, just side recommendation, his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, almost made the list for me because it's amazing. Um, but at any rate, so, so that's kind of who he is. And, and so he kind of, uh, while maintaining his role as a professor of medieval literature, uh, really ended up writing a tremendous amount of, of books in Christian apologetics and Christian theology, Christian philosophy, uh, and then also perhaps most famously, the, the Chronicles of Narnia. And so uh, that's a little Lewis for you. All right. Beautiful, man. Great. Yep. All right. Uh, moving Tom. on, Tom, number seven, lucky number 11. Wasn't that a, wasn't that a movie? That Back was in like a movie. 2004. With Josh Hartnett and Bruce Willis, I want to say. Looking at that, I never saw it. That's amazing. If you get that right, Tom, you, you get five bucks from Josh. <laughs> yes. Yep. I'll, I'll Venmo you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speak, wait, real quick. Speaking of Venmo, I had to buy a bunch of chairs for our church off of Craigslist. And I was calling my mom, asking her if ATM uh, withdrawal limits were still a thing. And she goes, Wait a second. She goes, Doesn't this person take Venmo? And I was like, how is it that I'm talking to my mom and she's the one suggesting to me, the millennial, that I should offer to Venmo it, mom. Uh, enough money? And I was like, man, this is just really embarrassing that my Gen X mom is trying to school me in Venmo. All right. I have two comments. First of all, she's not Tom, a boomer. Tom, you were exactly right. It was Bruce Willis and Josh Hartnett are the main stars. Uh, Morgan Freeman is also in it. Uh, Josh, yeah, let's cover this. Your mom is can't possibly be gen x tom is gen x yeah but she's not a boomer what's between a boomer and a gen xer no one it's just boomers there's older there's older and younger boomers i'm on the absolute oldest side of gen x oh no you're on the absolute youngest side of gen x no i mean millennials reach down to 81 okay but what do you what 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 what's your birth year 80 yeah, so you're the youngest side of Gen X. Gen X. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Josh. Uh, yeah, I guess Tom, you're right. Your my mom. Oh, your Wait, mom. Are we, done, are we done talking about Josh? Okay. Mom? Yep. Sorry. Yes. Uh, the only mom we should be talking about is Janet O'Neill. I'm sorry, Janet. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I Janet. didn't, I, Janet. I'm so sorry that I even brought my mother into this conversation. Please forgive me. I repent. We have hey. one podcast mother on this. That, that's that it. I, it. How did I? I'm so sorry, guys. How could I forget? It's all right. It's all right. Okay, so uh, what are we at, number seven? Uh, so the book that I want to uh, put out there is a book by John Acuff, uh, Do-Over. He's actually yes. got five, five books. Uh, I really like him because, you know, 
I've had a couple career changes in, in my life already. Um, some because I wanted to, some because I, and I wouldn't even say career change, just job changes. Uh, the thing I really like about John A. Cuff is he talks about uh, changing career, changing goals, changing uh, what kind of what you're aiming for in, in a very doable way. Uh, one of the things that I absolutely hate is going and hearing speakers that have such fantastical uh, sets of circumstances that it's actually not motivating for me because I'm not in that situation. I'm a regular yes. guy who's looking for a regular change, you know? Yep. Um, and so John Acuff is, is a guy who was working a regular job and said, you know what? I want a little bit more than this. Uh, now he was able to reach much greater heights by being an author and a fantastic speaker and things like that. But, but that wasn't, he, he didn't start as fantastical speaker and then he changed his stars and now he's a millionaire, you know? Um, so, and and he's also kind of, you know, pretty funny too. And, and how he, how he approaches life. And so I, I strongly recommend picking up, uh, a number of his books, but I I would start with do over, especially if you're kind of looking at doing something different. I dude, I have to second that. I love everything John Acuff has ever written. That is my favorite book of his because it's like, and I've not like, I haven't even gone through career changes, like been in the same deal, like, and been pursuing the same deal since I was like 18. Mm -hmm. Um, and still his writing is so good and his thoughts are so helpful. Uh, That book's amazing. Yeah, because I think even if you take it to to a more of a microcosm and say, okay, I'm going to read this book in with a perspective of I just need to change up how I'm doing my yes. job. Yeah, you know, if you think of it through that lens, I think the book still holds up. Like as yep. you said, he, he helps you work hard or work smarter. Not, I mean, work harder, yes, but work smarter too. And yep. uh, no doubt, amazing. Yep. Uh, Josh, lucky number slicks. Luck. <laughs> Lucky we're not going to do this for every number, are we? We are. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm, I'm going to end that right now. So we're going to miss if, five. No, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, if your children are like my children, if you have children, and Christmas break is approaching, because of when Christmas and New Year's falls this year, we are blessed to have them at the house for close to three full weeks. What joy. What fun. So in order to ignore my parental duties and – my suggestion to you is to do the same. Uh, I not have not one book, but a whole series of books for you to pick up over this holiday break. And that is yet another classic in the Christian world, the Left Behind series. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> if you are looking for riveting literature, <laughs> stop laughing. I'm being serious. Horrible theology. If you're looking for riveting literature that will scare you, into a belief in the rapture and <laughs> post-millennialism, then these are the books for you. And I bet you, you could go down to your local resale shop or thrift store and find the whole series for under $10. There's about 15 books. It should keep you occupied throughout the entire Christmas break and away from parenting your children. Coming in at number six, so the Left Behind series. <laughs> So help me God, Josh, if your next pick is something by Joel Olstein. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, jo- like Gabe and I have put actual thought into this. 
and you have brought Food and Wine magazine. Oh, really? Because the, the I, is, I feel like he's put more thought into it. Thank you, Gabe. Yes, these. that's exactly right. I have put more thought. I look at this. If you could see me right now, I have I have written on a pink sticky note my list, and I am scratching them out as I deliver them. That is <laughs> that's serious. That seriousness right there. Love okay, it. number right. five. We're halfway there, folks. All right, uh, number five. Thank you. Um, is pretty, pretty uh, well, five for a white guy. Oddly enough, if you want good theology on the uh, the culmination of all things, listen to book number five, uh, and that is "Surprised by Hope" by N.T. Wright. Uh, subtitle: Rethinking Heaven, the Resurrection, and the Mission of the Church. Uh, but "Surprised by Hope" was has been incredibly formative for me in terms of thinking about my own purpose and place in this world, thinking about where I'm headed and what I'm doing. Uh, it is it is a book. It's, it's pure theology. N.T. writes, I think, in my opinion, the best New Testament theologian alive right now. Um, but it's still accessible. So if you're like, Gabe, I'm not interested in that. He, he writes for this book at a very accessible level, really great stuff, and will help you actually understand uh, about where I believe, and many of us believe this world is headed in a, in a good way, uh, that, that, uh, everything will be redeemed and restored. And, uh, so highly recommend that to you, uh, especially if you got sucked into the left behind nonsense, this actually gives you good theology as to, uh, what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. Uh, Nicholas Cage does not make an appearance. Well, he might, I don't know. I don't know what's in his heart, but, uh, Wait, was Nicolas Cage part of those movies? Well, not the original ones, but then they made the like major motion picture one, and he was the main dude for it. Oh, that's right. Because Kirk yeah. Cameron was part of the original yeah. ones. Yeah. And Kirk Cameron may or may not be there either. Um, so anyways, Surprised by Hope. Amazing, amazing book. Read it. Learn it. Love it. It's great. Number four. I if I if I asked either of you guys if you've if you've watched Growing Pains. That'd be a no on your part, sir. I have actually. I think I've seen an episode or two. All right. All right. I'm cheating a little bit with with number four uh, because I don't have a specific book, but more of a series. Uh, I've been real. I've really enjoyed reading Con Igledon. So it's C O N N, and then just a whole mess of I G G U L D E N I. He's an English author. He uh, he writes historical fiction. And so he's got three major series out there. One is on uh, the life and times of, of Julius Caesar, uh, one on Genghis Khan, and then another series on the War of the Roses, uh, which it talks about the English and French uh, throne, uh, their thrones, if you will, uh, back in the 14, 1500s. And so uh, what's interesting about him is he writes he writes it as fiction, uh, or in a fictional sense, uh, so extremely entertaining, uh, but it is it is historically accurate, and I mean down to the degree where the end of his book, he's got about twenty pages where he talks about things that that he he stretched or he didn't quite do historically accurate, but it's all things like, well, their shirts weren't really green; they were red, and I just did it because of this, or this guy's name was really this, but it's too hard to read; like your mind can't like figure it out so i just changed it to a more easily accessible name and so nothing changes historically from the events that happen and i uh, the thing i really like is the character development i you really come to really grasp onto some of these characters and you get really upset when they die 
uh, or when they get phased out. And so uh, I highly suggest uh, each of the series has like four or five books. So it's a it's a good good month or two of reading, but it is fantastic. Nice, nice. Uh, number three. Well, how do I even do that? Thrilly. 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 Well, since it is winter time. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's actually, yeah, it's an object you can buy at Ikea. Mm, <laughs> yes. It's, Where, is it, it, it's buried somewhere like in the middle in an obscure like compartment. So it'll take you literally two weeks to find it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if you have the item number that you pulled from online. Mm-hmm. All right. Since, since we're kind of in this wintry time, uh, you know, winter is a good time. I know we joked about the Huga, but it's also a good time just to, you know, settle in for a good mystical experience. And I can think of nothing better than to aid in that process than for my choice for number three is to read. Are you ready for it? We're so ready. The album liner notes from Bon Iver's For Emma Forever Ago. <laughs> and I would also encourage you to listen to the album in total, in sum, in full, while following along with the album liner notes perhaps sitting in a, uh, a cottage or a cabin in the woods in the middle of Wisconsin during winter with a mm. fire crackling behind you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sure to give you a, a mystical spiritual experience like you've never had before. And it certainly has been formative in my life. And so, yeah, the album liner notes from Bonnie Bear's first album, the inaugural debut of Bonnie Bear for Emma forever ago. I, I really like that recommendation, Josh. And thank uh, you. I think you being the only one who's a a non Midwesterner, we appreciate the endorsement of Bonnie Vare. I mean, I'd rather listen to Bonnie Vare in Tennessee in a fifty five degree winter, but if I have to, I'll go to a cabin in the woods in the middle of Wisconsin. I won't lie to you, cabins in the woods in the middle of Wisconsin in winter are very nice. I uh, have done it, gone ice fishing while doing that. My beer froze. So, but was the fish slippery when you pulled it out of the freezing water or did it freeze into like basically a fish, a fish popsicle? It did. And I started licking it. So it was great. Sushi popsicle. Yep, exactly. Um, uh, coming in at number two, uh, is, uh, I, I, uh, so I guess I'll just be the theology guy today. Uh, but this one is more of a, a contemporary cultural analysis of our world today and then uh, sort of the theological implications of that for us. And uh, it's uh, actually our previous episode on the road trip that changed the world. It's the same author, Mark Sayers. Uh, but this book is called Strange Days. Strange Days. And uh, it's the subtitle is Life in the Spirit in a Time of Upheaval. And it's, uh, I don't know, for, for my money, I've not seen someone explore a massive scope of culture and break it down in such a helpful way. And, and in many ways, like even if you're not a Christian, his cultural analysis, I think is incredibly helpful. He covers everything from uh, sort of the, the, the changes we're seeing in, in, uh, in Western political systems with kind of the, the rise of a more radical left and a rise of a more radical right and, and the populism that kind of exists in both. Uh, but then he couples that with, uh, with terrorism and technology and, I mean, every sort of facet of the contemporary world uh, he brings into view and then he ties it all in into like 
what it means to be a person of faith today in the midst of that and, and how we live and how we're formed by these things. And he doesn't do it in a real condemning way, but just in an exploratory way and ex, in an explanatory way. And so highly recommend Strange Days by Mark Sayers. Well, guys, that was 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. And now it's time. Are we ready? Are we ready? Are drum you roll? Ready Listeners, are you ready? How are we doing a drum roll? Like, oh, that sounded good. Number one is the, the Bible. Tell me, wait, that was really the... bad. Josh, did you even say the Bible? You say the Bible, or did you give us another periodical? No, I said the Bible. And as a matter of fact, I would recommend one particular recommendation of the Bible. And it's a new translation that has just come out. I think it's going to be incredibly um, accurate and referential and perhaps even more um, authentic to the original Greek and Hebrew than any translation that's come uh, across our shelves in the recent future. Even better Is than it a comic book version? No, no. This new Bible translation is Bible emoji, scripture for millennials, all right? Oh. <laughs> the Bible is rife with symbolism, the cross, the fish, stigmata, the creation of earth in seven days, which makes seven the number of God. And this new Bible translation has been released, and it's comprised of 3,000 pages of emoji and text retelling of all 66 books of the Bible. Wow. Is this for real? This is for real. I'm reading it off of Forbes' website. <laughs> Kelly Carpenter gives a great description of the uh, Bible emoji because it says that, for example, chapter 1, verse 4 of the book of Genesis reads in non-millennial English as, God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. But in emoji, it becomes a little angel happy face saw a light bulb, that it was a thumbs up, and the angel smiley face emoji divided the light bulb from the darkness. And that's it. Wow. Yeah. So get on that, people. That sounds great. Sounds really great. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the Brick Bible, uh, which is a, a Lego version of the Bible. And I believe I've given it to both of our godsons that you have both spawned. I just and, read Daniel in the Lion's Den out of the Brick Bible last night with Silas. Oh, man. I'm so glad that to hear Bible. it. it actually is, it's not half bad. Uh, actually, the theology honestly is not bad in it, and they're pretty accurate to the text. Uh, but it's real fun because there's Legos and stuff. So if you like Legos, uh, highly recommend the Brick Bible. Especially if you like the Lego movie. Yep. It's like the Lego movie, but the Bible in Lego book form. It's great. It's great. Tom, you get the final version of the Bible. Wow. Man, I don't, I don't have anything nearly as creative as those two. Um, but as we are sitting just a couple of weeks out from Christmas, one of my family traditions is on Christmas Eve to sit around the tree with our Huga in full, full regalia. We and have in the German from the Gutenberg Bible. <laughs> We we uh, we light the candles. We get the tree going. There is there is a scent of pine needles and and whatnot in the air, and we bust out the King James uh, Bible and we we read the the Christmas story and it is it is wonderful. So uh, King Jimmy from which God? <laughs> King Jimmy, oh King Jimmy, yeah. So it's actually, uh, listen, if the King James is good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for the rest of us. 
If you'd like to get get a couple couple has thous into your into your vocabulary, you need to read the King James. Wait, I thought the King James version was like King James, like LeBron James. Ah, uh, yeah, comes out. Mm. Oh, I died in a minute. Quandary. Uh, awesome. Uh, side note: Chance the Rapper, I just read this today, has taken a sabbatical uh, to read the Bible. Good for you, Chance. So, good for you, Chance. Yeah. I, I do love Chance a Rapper. Well, who doesn't? Hey, man. Just if you happen to be listening, uh, you can skip Leviticus. It's just, it's not, just don't it's bother. tough. It's tough. Um, so, friends, there's your top 10 list. Get to reading this holiday break. Get to read, read a book. Read, read a, a book. Or album liner notes. Or album liner notes, or an entire series of books, or a periodical. <laughs> I, at least I have given you options, people. That's all I can say. And we appreciate oh. that. Uh, well, friends, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll do some closing sentiments. Let's be honest. We're going to do some things that you're not going to listen to. You, you are stopping it right now. But you probably should. They're stopping to go read books. Yeah. We're back, and uh, as promised, we have something that's pr- just pointless drivel, and it's probably not going to be worth your time. But hey, we got to come back and do something, right? So let's talk about books that didn't meet our our top ten uh, books we've read, books we think you should read or at least should peruse. Gabe, uh huh. So I did all theology, but I, I do have other interests. So great one is uh, please kill me. The Uncensored Oral History of Punk Rock. Uh, it's an amazing book, and uh, encourage you to check it out. Oh, that would have—you should have put that in, in your top ten. I think that would have rounded us out a little bit more. Oh, bummer. Sorry, man. Josh, it was a close call between Food and Wine Magazine, Food Network Magazine. But as far as I'm concerned, the Food Network has really gone downhill. Really gone downhill. So it was a close call, but I had to go Food and Wine over the Food Network Magazine. All right, Tom. Man, I'm going to throw out an obvious one here because it's been on the number one bestseller list forever, but Ready Player One, especially if you are between the ages, especially if you're in between the ages of, I would say, 35 and 45, it is chock full of early 80s, even late 70s, early 80s references, and it's a fantastic read. Nice. We do another round? Yeah, do it. Keep going, man. Okay. Uh, I would also, in the spirit of non-theological books, uh, highly recommend Among the Thugs by Bill Buford. Uh, This is a journalist who, during the uh, late 80s and early 90s, went and explored hooligan culture uh, in the English uh, soccer league, top-tier soccer league at a time. It was not called the Premier League at that time, for anyone who's worried about that. Uh, But he traveled around with these, these hooligans, and it is absolutely mind-blowing what they do like there's a story of a guy who like fights a cop and sucks his eyeball out of his eyes and then bites it off like really happens yeah wild stuff so 
Among the Thugs, Bill Buford, great book, great writer. Well, speaking of wild things, uh, to stay in line with my own theological recommendation of the Left Behind series in our previous list, the one that didn't quite make the cut was all 10 volumes of the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament mm. by Kittle. I mean, it is over 2,000 significant theological words in a 10-volume set that will take up an entire shelf of your bookshelf. It was it was almost too close to call. But when I had to go to volumes and series, Left Behind just eked out the actual Theological Dictionary <laughs> of the New Testament by a hair. Good, good. I am going to give my last uh, thing. I actually did this. I don't feel good about it, but it was kind of entertaining. I had a road trip and I needed a book to listen to. And on a whim, on the first page of, of, of Audible or whatever it was, Fire and Fury, which was a book written about the Trump administration. And it was written as someone who was apparently in a lot of these meetings and whatnot. And it just tells one preposterous story after another about uh, Donald Trump and his staff, and knowing full well that 80% of it can't possibly be true, or if it is, wow, even taking that 20% is a pretty funny ride. And so it was pure trash and drivel, but uh, entertaining nonetheless. Nice, nice. Uh, I'd love to go another round, but we should probably let the good listener no. go. No. I'd like to conclude this with the final Please. one for the evening. Yet another close call. Is it the catechism? Nope. It was between the album liner notes from Boney Bears for Emma Forever Ago and what didn't quite make the cut was the album liner notes from Christina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle. <laughs> Such a great album. So nostalgic. Not mm -hmm. quite appropriate for the holiday season, which is why I had to go with Boney Bear. Christina, I'm sorry, but you missed the cut on this one. I'm a genie in the bottle. <laughs> Gotta rub me the right way, honey. Ooh, and I think we just need to end because Gabe is talking about inappropriate things, which I'm will take away our bottle, clean lyrics baby. stamp from iTunes. Gotta so, rub friends, me the right way, honey. <laughs> it sounds like some terrible Dang country it. version. That's like a weird, like Merle Haggard country version <laughs> of that song. I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. Gotta rub right. me the right way. Oh, All right. Oh, we're so out. Bad. Go read Merry, a book. Merry Go read a, read a book. Read a book. Read a Christmas book. Read, read the Bible. Come on. Jeez. Brick Bible. <laughs>